Come on, friends, let's stand together and worship. We are alive in Him. He is alive in us. Heavenly Father, we have come to allow Your Spirit freedom in us. Where You are, there is liberty. Father, we take agreement, and this is Your day. We're going to glorify You with everything we've got. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Him.
you want, you want my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love, never ending. Go up, up. Say it again, say it again. You, you want, you want, you want my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love. Come on, it works a little better if you if you raise your hand this time. Raise your hand and say, come on. You are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me the love of course, sometimes. 
Come on, let the house worship him. Come on, everybody, just worship him. Come on, just worship him. Come on, that's it. Just pray. Come on, Matthew 21, 13. My house should be called a house of prayer. Come on, everybody in the room, pray. If your first time here, doesn't make any difference, pray. Father, we lift you up. Come on, we lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up, Jesus. Come on, let his presence come in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Everybody in the house now, just lift up hallelujahs. Come on, everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, now that you've all got settled in and your hearts are, are ready and, and receptive for the movement of the Holy Spirit of God, for what He's going to do in every one of your lives, there's not one of you today that He wants to leave untouched. Every one of you, you're here at the right place. The Spirit of God is going to touch you. He knows exactly what you have need of. He knows what's on your mind. He knows, he knows everything. So let's just let him do that today. Let's, let's don't be stuck on anybody's kind of presentation or performance. It's on the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said this. One day when he was at church, in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 18, he talks about the anointing that is on me. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's on me right now. Let's just, let's just do that for a moment. Would you just kind of reach your hand out in front of you and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me right now. Come on, just do it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Then he said, he's anointed me, of course, to preach the gospel to the poor. And there's a, there's a lot there that, that is not limited to finances. Pour in the spirit, pour in their mind. And he goes on to say, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Those of you that are brokenhearted, healing of the Lord is the only thing that will take care of you. It's the only thing. Then he says to proclaim liberty to the captives. The captives are crying out to be set free. And he said, I'm going to do that. And then of recovering of sight to the blind. My heart is just moved today because I believe they're family unit after family unit. Whether you're a, a single parent or, or whatever the situation is. But that needs the touch of God today. I just feel the anointing of, of the Lord that needs healing to go to the brokenhearted today. However you've been hurt, however you've been abused, however you've been neglected or isolated or you feel like the enemy's just running right after you, but I want you to know God is after you more than the devil is. You need to hear that. I could say that a lot more theological ways, but God is after you more than the devil is. I want you to get this. 
you were on God's mind before you were on the devil's mind. The devil being after you, Satan being after you, is a reaction to him getting kicked out of heaven. He was first an angel of light, but he got dethroned from that. God made you. He sent his son after you. You have always been on God's mind. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's not hard to please God. The devil will deceive you, say, I got to do this and I got to do that. It's not hard to please God. All you got to do is love him because he already loves you. Amen. Let's agree together for healing of the Spirit of God to touch every heart, every mind, every spirit right now. Come on, pray with me, church. Come on, everybody. Don't rely on me. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Come on. Heavenly Father, I believe that right now your Spirit is moving down every row, every person online, every person coming back to this recording on YouTube or wherever later. Right now, I know your Spirit is going to them. You're touching the heavy-hearted. You're delivering the oppressed right now. In the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, Satan, take your hands off of these minds. Take your hands off of these families. We resist you in the name and the blood of Jesus. Divine protection around every house and every home, every marriage, every parent, every child. Restore those relationships. Hallelujah. May the message of us today be the message of your love, O oh God, and of your restoration and your redemption, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some people that need, need divine healing, and many of you are that. We're going to pray for James and Carmen right now. We're going to believe that God will just touch his kidneys. So I want you to call the names of James and, and touch his kidneys. Um. Jamie, I want you to call Jamie Watson's name. Having a procedure on Tuesday. We're going to call Jamie's name. Got a lot of J's here, so it'd be easy for you to remember. James and, 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 and Jamie. And, and Shirley. Shirley's having a, a procedure on Wednesday, I believe. We're going to pray for Shirley. God will touch Shirley. On Friday, Jimmy, Jimmy Causey, going for an appointment. We're going to believe they're going to tell you you don't have any cancer. Amen. We're going, to, we're going to call that report what it is right now. Amen. Maybe you have somebody you know that needs healing. So pray with me right now. And I'm going to ask you to do something else. When this service is over, I've got to travel to, to, to meet a family that uh, is in deep desperation. And we just need the Spirit of God to go before me. I believe the healing will already get there before we get there. There needs to be deliverance. The captive has got to be set free, and I need a church praying with me. I need prayer warriors praying with me all day long. It's complicated, but nothing is too complicated for God. It's an easy thing, not too difficult, amen? I need your prayers, amen? I need the wisdom. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and I need it to be done in Jesus' name, amen? So I want you to call those names, and I want you to pray with me in this ministry assignment. Come on, pray now, everybody. Heavenly Father, the church has come together and pray. Your word says that now we hold the threatenings of the enemy, but when the church prayed, something happened. 
when the church prayed, we got boldness. And when we prayed, the place was shaken. I know that right now you are already on the scene of James. You've already done this. Hallelujah. His kidneys, Father, are being, are being purified by your presence. Thank you for the medical doctors that are on the scene. But, Father, I pray right now for a supernatural intervention of your Holy Spirit, O oh God. Father, I know that as Jamie goes on this Tuesday, Father, I know that, that she's in your hands. Her steps have been ordered. I rebuke all fear in Jesus' name. All fear in Jesus' name. God, raise up Shirley, Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let her know she's going to be better than before. Shirley, receive it right now. Shirley, you know this church loves you. Shirley, you know we're praying for you right now. And we stand in agreement. Hallelujah. Father, I know that as Jimmy Causey goes to that doctor, I believe it's going to be a good report. He's already felt better, Father. Hallelujah. You're out of the tomb, and if you walked out, we're walking out too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I know you've made the way before we go anywhere today. You've already done it, Father. You're setting the captives free. I bind you, Satan. I bind you, Satan. Loose the Spirit of God over this house, over this family. Hallelujah. Over every one of them. Hallelujah. For generations. Set the captive free. Hallelujah. Now, come on, church. I know you've been standing for a while, but come on. We've got a reason to praise Him. Come on. Let's praise Him a little bit. Come on. Let's let our spirits loose. Let's praise Him a little bit. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to this.
with me everybody all right maybe your first time here maybe you're not accustomed to raising your hands it's okay you'll you lose a couple pounds everybody raise your hands with me if you would just raise your hands say this with me out loud with your hands up 
Say, he's all I've got. He's all I need. Now give him a hallelujah with that. Come on, really believe that. He's all I've got. But he's all I need. Now put your, don't, 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 don't make this awkward. It's, it's not. Just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. So well, why do you do that, preacher? Well, just to kind of make a connection. I, really, it's nothing spiritual. I, I just, I like that better than I do holding a hand. So that's the reason we do that. That's just personal preference. Let's take agreement right now. Come on, just let his presence move down through the place. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I feel his spirit right here. Just touch every person, oh, living God. Our reliance is upon you, Holy Spirit, not anything else. I pray that everything we experience here today will be heaven-made, not man-made. Your kingdom come into this place. Your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in your Holy Spirit. Distribute joy on every person right now, Father. Your joy that is strength. Thank you, Jesus. Now as you loose your hands, just however you want to, just tell him thank you. You want to clap? You want to, I don't know what you want. Just, just thank you. Thank you, living God. Thank you, living God. Thank you, living God. It's good to tell everybody hello in a church. Church ought to be really friendly. Should not be a hostile environment. So turn around and tell somebody hello. Would you do that? Just in church hostess families of the bread. Come on up here if you would, please. These people that have this bread, they're going to turn around now and make their way to the back of the auditorium. And as they do that, um, if you have a friend with you or a guest with you, where are the bread people, Patty? Uh, come on, bread people, pretty quick. And uh, turn around and move the other way as they go back th through the auditorium quickly. If you have a friend with you, you're a guest, let them know that. They'll give you that homemade bread today. Move quick, you guys. Go ahead. Move on. We're going to move. Joe, where you been? Come on, son. Catch up with your wife. <laughs> You'll lose a few pounds yourself there for catching your wife. Amen. And, and so um, uh, make, make all of our friends feel welcome today. Would you do that? Come on. Make everybody feel really, really welcome. We're excited that you're here. Uh, we're really glad you're here at the Church Alive. Um, we want to welcome you. Check out the website. Uh, for instance, uh, today, things you should know about. There's a Bible study at 530. Um, then after that's financial peace at 630. Those of you doing that, we, we changed the room on that. It's in the same room as the Bible study. It's out here in the in the hospitality room. So <laughs> when you come to the one, you're, you're, you're there for the other one. So you come and make your way for that. It'll be a great time together. A lot of other stuff going on. I had a great prayer meeting in here. Last I don't know what you do on Saturday so nights. Good. Watching the Razorbacks aren't worth it, uh, but um, you can come and pray for them if you'd like. I don't even know if the yes, Lord's interested, Lord. but anyway, uh, uh, but anyway, you, you know, it's a great, great prayer gathering. Just, I mean, feel the power of God. So, you know, almost something like that. And Patty, I, I know the ladies. I mean, we met with the men yesterday. Had a great men's breakfast yesterday morning. It's just powerful and great. And, and uh, But the ladies got something special Tuesday. I want you to highlight yes, that. Yes, we do. On Tuesday night, we're starting a series, and it's called Inner Healing. 
And this is going to be like any, unlike anything that we've done, I believe. It's going to be a very relaxed atmosphere, but for the next several weeks, we're going to dig into um, really the concepts of God because sometimes um, we have allowed life circumstances to dictate to us possibly how our relationship and our view of God is. And then we, we get set on this course of negative you know, and we go through a lifetime uh, of, of mistakes or, or just a thought process that's really not reflective of what God is at all. And so we're going to actually just strip away all those influences and get down to the very basics of what the Word of God says about God, okay. about how that's He good. loves that's us. Good. Then we're going to bring in the dynamics of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be like a training boot camp. But what it does is it causes us to dig really deep and see exactly on our inside what's going on. And, and it's going to bring healing. I really believe it with all of my heart. And so for, for all of you men, I need you to pray for the ladies that are coming. And I need all of you ladies to bring somebody in the community that's hurting. You probably come in contact with somebody every day that needs a divine intervention. And so this is going to be the event that you want to come to. It's Tuesday night at 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. We have it scheduled for four weeks, but I think it might actually go longer than that. It'd be a great place to get together and yes. connect and uh, get Absolutely. discipleship. And so that's great. I, I love think it. I think it's wonderful. I'm going to pray with you right now over your giving to God, every one of you. And just a few moments, the ushers will pass. You can give like that. You can jump on your phone, give on the website. You can do that 24 hours a day. Go back here uh, to a, uh, a center back here, a credit card, debit card. You can go out front, whatever you'd like to do. But I'm going to pray with you. And I believe that something's going to happen as I pray with you over your finances. I pray that as you give, the generous spirit of God would come over you in every area of your life. Now, I don't know what's been happening to you, but I've been finding myself, and I think it's the Holy Spirit, I know it is, pointing out to me more needs than what I've seen previously, and I'm finding out that I want to give to places that I don't have the money to give yet. Anybody else like that? You, you see needs, and you're like, I, I, I want to do that. Um, I mean, just the other day, you, you're going to think I'm, I'm a little crazy on this, but it doesn't matter. I'm not asking you. <laughs> but I passed up somebody. I'm like, I sure would like to pay off their house. Well, I'd like to pay mine off too. But how many would have the capacity? I mean, be able to like to do something like that. I, and I saw that, that Tyler Perry was, you know, doing all he was doing for, for the Bahamas. I was like, I'd like to be able to do that. You know, I, I want to do that. And, and so let me pray with you that God would increase your capacity right now. Heavenly Father, I right now call forth at least 10% of all of the increase of all of these people in this room. At least 10% that they'll give to the church, to the ministry, invest into your kingdom. Then they'll have a lot left over to give to all kinds of ministries and to all kinds of places. But we'll start with your biblical base of giving to your storehouse first, and the order would follow that. I call forth for 10% of all the revenue of this city to come into ministries, 
all kinds of ministries all over this city. God, today I bless my friends at Central Baptist. I pray you'd touch Pastor Don Chandler. I bless my friends at True Holiness. You would touch my friend, Pastor Cornell Maltbia. Father, I pray for each of these, all of these all over the city today, Father. And all over this county and all over this region. Father, you'd raise up businesses and, and professionals and, and, and people in the workplace that will honor you, God, and that this city will be a model of what it means to raise up your kingdom in a mighty way, Father. Pray your anointing to be loose, your power to be loose. And I call right now for oppression and suicide to be off of this city and off of this region. I pray right now for the addictions of heroin and meth to be off of this region in the name of Jesus. We pulverize that in the heavenlies right now. We pulverize that spirit of demonic darkness right now in the name of Jesus. May there be liberty, Father. May we have the wherewithal to minister to these families, God, and to help them ways, Father. Hallelujah. You'll show us. You'll give us the, the revenue. You'll do it, Father, as we honor you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. As you're giving to God today also, you might take a moment. You can jump on the uh, governor's, our governor's website if you'd like and send him a note. Uh, this month, he has um, declared it to be Suicide Prevention Month. Our governor, I'm not asking you to be political. I'm asking you to be a prayer partner. And he is a praying man and believes in that. I sent him a note late Friday night. I said, Governor, I'm praying with you. I'm believing with you on this because I've just seen too much of it lately. And I want you to know the Church Alive is your prayer partner. And we're agreeing with you. Amen. I just feel it. Sell something out there. And I, we're taking agreement. We've got to do something. How many hearing me on this? We've got to do something instead of just say, well, that's too bad for that family. We've got to do something supernatural. I praise God for raising up people with ministry gifts. I praise God for people who will listen to ministry callings. And today we have with us a very special guest and, and um, uh, who, who is a man and a woman who's done that. Listen to God. See, Jesus, when he called people, he said, just follow me. And they just followed him, just trusted him. And there's something wild and crazy about that. But God uses wild and crazy people. All of you that are wild and crazy say, I'm one of those. If you're not, become one because it's a lot more exciting than those being most boring people. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. So today, if you're pondering some decisions, I want you to listen to what God has done in these missionaries' homes and in their lives and their families. And they're serving in Mozambique. But they're home here for a little while, and they're, they're going to be going back, and they're just great people. They've got an exciting word for us today. We want to listen. We want to open your hearts, because I believe that anointing is going to be on your life today, and you're going to be touched. I'm so honored they'd be here. He, he texted me, and he said, you know, hey, I'd like to get together. Can we have lunch? And I'm like, no. But you can come and minister at the church alive. Why would I just want to have a sandwich with you alone? You got to have share you with everybody, all right? And, and so today, it's our honor that they would take time and be here. And he can tell you their story of how they got where they're at, because some of you know that, some of you don't. But would you welcome uh, to one of their home churches? I think they got them all over the world, actually. <laughs> Matt and Andrea Marlin, come on, make them feel a great. You, you, 
Awesome. Thanks, Pastor. Can we give it up for Pastor, uh, Pastor Randy and Patty? They're so awesome. They're such incredible leaders. I just love the culture that they've, they've developed and they fostered here in this church to really go after God and just do what it takes, you know? What I love about Pastor Randy is he's, he's willing to just throw out any pretense, any sort of facade of like, this is how church should be if God asks them to. And that is so precious because if you live your life in that way, then God will show up and do incredible things, won't he? Amen? Amen. It's awesome to be here. Our Conway Home Church, when we were here in Conway at University on staff with Chi Alpha, we used to come here. So it's great to be back here. And you guys are looking good. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, looking good? Looking good. If, if it's your wife, give her a little kiss on the cheek. Easy single guys. This is church, remember? That's a dad joke, right? That's awesome. Well, like Pastor said, my name is Matt Marlin. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Andrea. We're going to give him a wave, babe. Yeah, she's so awesome. Sitting with all our friends. We have a picture of the rest of our family. Oh, it's a little blurry, but uh, sorry about that. But we have three children. We have uh, Cedar, who's our oldest boy. He's five. And then to Cedar's right, we have Cypress, who is our, our middle girl. She's three. And then our youngest, who's, this is uh, just her second time in the States, Acacia. So I know a lot of people ask, why would you name your kids after trees? Like Cedar, Cypress, Acacia. Are you guys like hippies or like hipster wannabes? It's possible. But uh, God really gave us those names. Uh, when we were praying about names, uh, God really showed us something incredible in the word. And if you think about the temple... What, what woods were the temple made out of? They're made out of cedar. They're made out of cypress wood. And what wood was the, the, the Ark of the Covenant made out of? It was made out of acacia wood. So it's our prayer and really our prophetic declaration of our children that they will house the presence of God like that and be world changers like that was. So, yeah, so it's a lot cooler than just like, oh, cool names, right? Well, like I said, um, my wife and I went to university at the University of Central Arkansas. And when I got there, I came on a soccer scholarship just ready to to do the thing, you know, play soccer, be good at soccer, go play professional soccer, and do all the stuff that normal college kids do. But God radically got a hold of my life through Chi Alpha, and I was transformed forever. Well, through Chi Alpha, we began to take summer mission trip, and I ended up in Mozambique and decided that I would give a year of my life to this country in southeastern Africa. So if you want to show the map, we can kind of see where Mozambique is. It's directly inland from the island of Madagascar. And so I spent a year there, and I thought, oh, this is going to be super awesome. I'm going to, you know, see so many people get saved, and, and God's going to do incredible miracles. And when I hit the ground running, I was like, like I hit a brick wall. I experienced incredible spiritual warfare and opposition. And in my first three months, right after I graduated college, my first three months in Mozambique, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I lost 40 pounds. And I know you guys are thinking, man, that's one hunk of a man. Big, why are you laughing? Now, yeah, I was this size and I lost 40 pounds because of the, 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 the strain and how, how difficult it was. But God did some incredible things and... God called us back full-time. I remember I was on my last day in Mozambique. I was ready to come back to the States and get married to my fiance Andrea, and begin a new life. And that very last night, God told me, this is your city, the capital city of, Maput of Mozambique. This is your country. I want you to come and invest your life here. So we made the decision to move back and start our life there. And when we got there, man, we realized immediately that we weren't in Kansas anymore. Mozambique is a weird place. I mean, some of you guys have heard some of these stories, but right when we got there, 
we started to experience some crazy demonic activity in our lives. One night, me and my wife were sitting in our living room, and there were two tables sitting in front of us, and we had cups of water on each of those tables. And as we were sitting there reading books, being boring adults, all of a sudden, the cup that was in front of me was just kind of tossed over to the side and spilled water everywhere. So I'm from North Little Rock, Arkansas, right? And so when a cup of water spills in my living room, what, 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 what do I do? I would do what you do. I went to the, the kitchen to get a towel to come and clean it up, right? So I went into the kitchen, and I walked back in, and I was about to clean up the water when the cup on the other table was thrown in the other direction violently even farther. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? But I love my wife because even though I had kind of a hesitation response, I was just like, what's going on? She stood up and she stomped her foot and she said, she pointed at the water. She said, no, not in my house. We're going to pray. Yes. And we did pray. And we saw some victories in our, in our lives. But uh, a couple of months later, we were sitting in that same living room and I heard a blood-curdling scream. And it was coming from my neighbor's house. So I ran over to my neighbor's house, banged on the door. And they opened the door and I made the mistake. I made one mistake. They said, what do you want? And I said, I think I know what's going on. I'm a pastor. I can help. That was my mistake. I walked in there with confidence because I knew it was happening. There was a 13-year-old girl that, that was their niece that was there, and she was manifesting a demon and throwing herself about wildly. wildly. She, had, she had four guys trying to restrain her, one guy on each limb, and she was just tossing them around. And when I came into the room, she focused on me, and she began to curse me, and she began to threaten me, and she began to mock me in English. And I knew that girl. She didn't speak any English. It was crazy. I was in over my head. When we first got there, kidnappings and crime were so frequent that my wife, Andrea, couldn't go anywhere, anywhere by herself ever. Just for the cherry on top. A couple of months after we moved there, war just broke out sporadically in the middle of the country. Hey, sometimes our lives are crazy. Anybody with me on that? Can you agree that sometimes our lives are crazy? And many times, and for me probably most of the time, I need Jesus. And I need so much more of Jesus than I currently have. You know, you don't have to live in Mozambique and be facing demons to know that about your life, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I need much more Jesus when I'm driving down the road just trying to get to work. Like, that is just life. We need so much more of Jesus. You know, this really hit home really, really powerfully to me a couple of months ago. Mozambique uh, actually has been in the news this year, like for the first time ever here in the States, because uh, a couple of months ago in March and April, we were hit by two really powerful hurricanes. Did anybody hear about that? Uh, hurricanes. We had a Category 3 and a Category 4 hurricane. Some of you were there. Thanks, Neil. Um, and it devastated the country. Uh, the first one that hit, hit our second largest city. And so you can imagine what happens when a powerful hurricane slams into a massive population that the majority of them live in mud huts. Not only that, nobody was ready for it, you know. They didn't do any evacs. They didn't warn anybody. Nobody knew it was going to hit, so thousands and thousands of people died. And so we had to go up there. We had to help. And so we got in our cars, and we drove up to the middle of the country. And before I knew it, I found myself on a helicopter. I'd found this group of crazy South African guys who were trying to, trying to, um, trying to respond to one of the heaviest hit areas that wasn't getting responded to by anybody else. And they were like, all right, we're going to put you on the helicopter. They kind of sound like Australian people. We're going to put you on a helicopter. Why? Because, because Mozambicans like you and you speak Portuguese. Not because you have disaster relief experience or anything like that. Like, like I said, I'm from North Rock, Arkansas, and I went to UCA, and I did not study disaster relief. So right before they threw me on the helicopter, they said this. We're sending you into one of the more 
sticky villages. There's some troublemakers in that village, so watch your back. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I'm the only person going into this village. But anyway, so I get up in this helicopter, and the devastation was, was horrible. The, the village that I dropped into that had only eaten, uh, they hadn't eaten in over two and a half weeks. And so they were desperate, desperate, desperate. And so I landed, uh, the helicopter landed, and they dropped me off, and then the helicopter went. And I remember looking back saying, thinking, bye, you know, Jesus, it's just you and me now. There were hundreds of people there, and they were waiting for me. And as I sat down with them, they began to tell me their stories. I'm going to tell you one of the stories. It's, I want to introduce you to Armando. Armando, I have a picture of him with two boys. So Armando told me about what happened when the hurricane hit. It was 2 in the morning. And what happened with this specific village is the hurricane brought a, a flood. It flooded two rivers around them. And so rapidly water came in and filled up their village. He said, I woke, up at one, uh, I woke up at two in the morning and the water was already up to my chest, so I panicked. I ran out of my hut and just looked around and water was everywhere. And I saw this old lady. She couldn't walk. She was just, she was just sitting down in the, uh, in the dirt, in the water, and it was, it was getting real close to her head. So I, the water was. So I picked her up and threw her over my shoulder and I ran. I ran to the highest point that I knew of in the community, which was a mill. When I got to the mill, there were 10 children who were standing on their tippy toes and the water was already up to their neck. So I had to lay that old lady down just so I could shove those kids up into a tree. And when I came back for the old lady, the water had already taken her. She was dead. So I ran back to that tree. I climbed up in it. And we had to wait there for three days. Three days with no food. Three days with no clean water. And all those kids in the trees, their little arms got tired and they couldn't handle it. And one by one, they began to fall into the water and die. That guy right there told me that story. I was sitting right in front of him. And then those two boys were two of the boys that were with him in the tree that they made it. Every single person that I talked to had to stay up in a tree for three days. That was the only way that they survived. There seemed to be darkness all around there. This world sometimes is so full of darkness. But God, amen? God has an answer. And his answer is in his presence and his power. God has promised that to us. Isn't that cool? He doesn't have some other answer like I'm going to send something else. No, no. His answer is always I'm going to be there present, more of me, and that will be the solution. From the beginning, God has had this plan for the world. In Habakkuk 2.14, he reveals it. And in other places of scripture, he says the exact same thing. It's my favorite idea of scripture. His plan is to fill the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea. He's spilling out his presence, and there's so much available to us, so much available to us now, so much. So what exactly is available to us? So today I want to take a look at the big story of the Bible, the story of God's glory, and we're just kind of run through it, and we're going to see kind of from this big narrative what we can glean for our personal lives, the story of the movement of God's glory in Scripture. So I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit in Scripture. Do you all remember when the first temple was built? Do you remember that first service they had? Man, that was a sweet first service. I think Pastor Long has prayed his whole life for a service like this. Because I have prayed my whole life for a service like this. Because God's presence came so powerfully, so tangibly. We see this in 1 Kings in, in chapter 8. And I'm going to kind of run through some scriptures so you can write them down. Don't worry about trying to flip there with me. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10. This is what it says when they consecrated the first temple. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled 
the house of the Lord. I mean, they couldn't even have church because God was so powerful. They couldn't stand up. Everybody was just prostrate. They couldn't handle it. This is super cool because the word here used for glory is the Hebrew word kavad. What that means isn't just glory like some random ethereal sort of like non-tangible thing. No, it means the glorified presence, his personal presence of God. It comes from a root word that means heavy. He's there and you can feel him and he's personally there and it's heavy. How awesome. So boom, for over 400 years, God personally lives among the people in his temple, the place where heaven intersects earth, where people could meet with God. But then something terrible happened. Y'all remember the story? Israel sinned real bad because of their idolatry and God's presence leaves the temple. It completely leaves it. In Ezekiel 10, you see this beautiful but terrible picture of God just, he just picks up his throne and he's like, I'm out of here. And he completely leaves the city of Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem. Then Babylon comes and sacks the whole nation, sacks the temple, and they go into 70 years of exile. 70 years of darkness, 70 years of sorrow, 70 years of oppression. But God wasn't done with them yet, amen? All of a sudden, the government changes, and Israel is allowed to go back and rebuild their temple. And God, out of nowhere, delivers this, delivers this incredible promise. In Haggai 2, 6 through 9. And you guys know it. I know somebody's preached on this before in this house. But I'm going to say it again. It's an incredible promise. And we've got to remember that these people, these people are just coming back from one of the worst times, one of the most unthinkable things that they could have experienced. And this is what God says to them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Listen to that. This is incredible. God here promises that the glory of this latter house will be greater than the one that came before. Just to emphasize the point, just so nobody gets confused, the word he uses here for glory, and they had a couple of words, but the word he uses here is that same word, kavad. Kavad. He wanted them to know that his glory that's heavy is going to come back. His glory that's tangible is going to come black. It's going to be a glory that people notice, that produces a change in the atmosphere and in our circumstances. That's God's heart. He wants to be present with us. So the Jews go back to Jerusalem. They rebuild their temple, their walls, and their cities, and they're jacked. Can you imagine? They're like 70 years. My parents told me about way back in the day, the old timers said, you know what I'm saying? We're from Arkansas. We can get a little country. I can't do that in, Ar- in Mozambique because even the guys that speak English, they don't understand southern accents. It's pretty funny. So FYI, if you ever go to a different country and you want to have like a secret a secret language, even for people who speak English, just start talking like you're from Pickles Gap and people won't understand a word of what you're saying. Amen, Pickles Gap, I see you. Our friends, the Andrews, live in Pickles Gap. That's a, I just, who came up with that name? That is so awesome. You know, that's a name like up in New York. They're like, you know, there's a town in Arkansas called Pickles Gap. So cool. So they're excited. They have all these stories in their head and they go back and they dedicate the temple but things don't go as planned. Things don't go as planned. After they rebuild their temple, 
there is no mention of the glory of God coming back to that temple. Never. Not in the Bible, not even outside of the Bible. Nobody ever makes the claim that that second temple ever received that cloud of glory. No kavod, nothing. All they have is a building. And for over 500 years, think about it, 500 years they offer sacrifices and prayers to God whose presence is no longer manifest there. But the promise of God is still there, that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the first. So they keep plugging away, keep being faithful to God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in the middle of a promise and its completion? It's not easy, is it? Maybe for some of you, it's an unsaved loved one. You know that God has spoken, but you haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's a healing, and you know, you've heard it by multiple people. God has spoken it to your spirit that it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Or maybe it's a dream, a God-sized dream that he's given you, and you don't even know where the resources are going to come from, but you know without a doubt that God has spoken. The word here that you need to hear today is to stand firm because God is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, right? I think that's in the Bible, right? He is faithful. And 500 years after the construction of that second temple, a baby boy is born, right? And although he looks like any other baby boy, he's special. This is what John says about him. And the word became flesh and he lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word here that John uses for lived, like when he says the word literally lived among us, it means that he became like a temple among us. Then he goes on to say that this man temple was full of God's glory like no one had ever seen before. The presence of God had returned to his people. Not as a cloud of glory like with the first temple, but as a man who did what the temple did. Y'all remember? Oh, the, the, all the gospels, are, the gospels are full of it. It was a place where heaven overlapped with earth to where a place where people could meet with God, where God's will was perfectly done. And this is important. Listen, God's glory was back on earth, but it was not back in his temple yet. It was not back in his temple yet because Jesus had a plan. He had a plan. And he told his guys, his little temples he was creating, to wait in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high. And on the day of Pentecost, with wind and with fire, that same presence that filled the first temple, so much so that the priests couldn't even stand to worship, was now inside of the disciples, was now inside of the church. The promise given in the book of Haggai was now fulfilled in the church. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you're God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy. And you, you are that temple. We are the temple where God lives. We are that temple. Think about what that means. We get to do what the temple did, right? We are the fulfillment of Haggai's prophecy. What a radical idea that you, us, we get to house more kavod glory in our lives and among us than they did in the first temple. We are where people can meet with God and where they can hear his voice. We are his agents of transformation, that point where heaven overlaps with earth and everything changes and we fill the world with his glorious presence. That is what is available to us. Man, we have access to so much. 
And it's there for the taking and for the experiencing. Isn't that incredible? Y'all feel it. That gives me Holy Ghost goosebumps, right? Because we feel it and we know it's possible. But I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, yeah, that sounds good, but I've never experienced God like that. What's up with that, God? Why is my experience lacking? Because his promises, it's in the scriptures. It's easy to see, right? But then I, I, you know, I go to work and I go home and yada, 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 and I just don't live like that. So what's up? The reality is that we, we have to do our part. Amen? We have to create the conditions for God's presence to come. It's the same in the Bible. Like in the Old Testament, the priests had to prepare, and they worked really hard to prepare a place for God's glory to dwell. And we have to prepare a life that can house his presence. It's like if you want someone special to live with you, like especially someone royal, like you have to prepare a special room for them, right? You're going to have to clean your house up. Like, because if you have somebody royal coming over to your house and, and they see that your lawn's kind of unkempt, they're, you know, you know how richy hoity toity people are. Like, they just don't want to have it, right? They're just like, ah, you know what? I don't think I can eat over here. There's cat hair on the floor. And you know what I'm talking about? You got to make sure that, like, that person has his favorite coffee there and you've DVR'd his favorite Hallmark Christmas movie just because just that makes every night better. Amen? Oh, I just lost a bunch of guys in here. I'm not even messed up. I flew in a helicopter. <laughs> we have to do this for God. We have to prepare a place for him to do his thing. And if we will do that, there are no limits to what is possible. It's what we are made for. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're white, whether you're black, whatever, how old you are, how young you are. God is no respecter of persons. This means his powerful, glorified presence is for all of us. He can make a palace out of a mud hut. He can give us joy in the most hopeless of circumstances, and he can transform even the darkest of places. So the question is how? How do we grow in housing more of the presence of God? So we've really wrestled with this idea a lot, and we've, we've, we've tried and experimented with, uh, with the guys that we work with there, uh, and we've really learned a couple of things. Now I'm going to share with you three quick things that we know uh, that have helped us in doing this. And you guys are going to be like, yeah, yeah, we know all this stuff. And that's good because it's what Jesus did. Like we don't have any other model. So we do what Jesus did. Number one, the very first thing we have to do is we have to commit to intimacy, commit to intimacy. Intimacy is closeness. It's time and energy. Just like any other relationship, we have to work on it to develop it. We have to orient our lives around the presence of God, right? Think about that. When we wake up on my drive to work, when I'm shopping, when I'm taking the kids to the playground, or even after the kids go to bed, we have to involve Jesus in everything. That means we have to create new rhythms in our lives and habits that include us. You might be thinking like, you know what, I don't, you know, I'm I'm really busy and, you know, I try to, you know, have God in this part, but it doesn't always work out because I'm a mom and I'm a dad and I have a full-time job. No, no, everybody has 24 hours in the day and we all decide what we do with it, right? Think about this. What if instead of just tithing 10% of your money, you tithed 10% of your time, 2.4 hours of your day where you said, Jesus, I'm going to pursue after you in word and worship and fasting and prayer. I'm going to pursue after you in silence and, and all the other spiritual disciplines. What's stopping you? There's nothing stopping us. If we'll do that, he'll push out other things and give us more capacity to experience and co-labor with God. It'll fill us up. So I want to introduce you to one of our students who really practices this. His name is Alfonso, one of the guys we work with. 
So this is a picture of me with uh, uh, some of our interns and staff uh, in our campus ministry that we, that we run in Mozambique. And as you can see, our, our, our ministry isn't very diverse. Uh, we, we, there's just one white guy in the whole thing, and that's me. Anyway, so this is Alfonso over here on the right. He's mean mugging, but anybody, I know a lot of you guys have met him. He's so nice and so sweet. But so many Mozambicans, as soon as you pull out a camera, it's like, I'm a gangster. It's like, they're like, hey, smiling and joking. And then you pull out a camera and they're like, how can I make the meanest face possible? Anyway, so that's Alfonso. And something interesting has been happening to Alfonso recently. He keeps getting robbed. Anybody here, like, consider that a blessing? No. In the past three or four months, he's gotten robbed five times. Five times. Isn't that nuts? But something interesting about when Alfonso gets robbed is that Alfonso never gets things taken from him. Why? Because Alfonso is close to Jesus. And he developed with Jesus a new strategy to deal with criminals. Whenever they come up with their knives or their guns or whatever to rob him, Alfonso just acts like they're not robbing him and he preaches at him. And he's done this five different times in the last couple of months. And what's incredible is he never gets stuff stolen. And the second to last guy that robbed him actually gave his life to the Lord. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> How is that possible? How is that possible? How is it possible not to be overcome with fear or whatever? It's because he's close to Jesus. And he manifests God's glory because of it. So number one, we have to commit to intimacy. Number two, we need to commit to expectancy. Pastor Long said it. Man, we need to get wild and experiment, right? I don't want to have a boring Christianity. I don't want to have a boring walk with God. I want to take risks and I want to see him do awesome stuff, right? Does anybody here want to see Jesus do awesome stuff? Yes, he wants to do it. As we've seen, his presence is already available. The more we call it down, the more we will see. Another way to say this is the more we expect God's glory and presence to show up, the more that it will. Do you expect to see him move in you and through you every single day? What about before lunch and after two o'clock coffee? Multiple times a day. Anybody else have two o'clock coffee? Like if you don't have it, you're like, I need a nap. Do you expect God to move twice a day? He wants you to expect that. He wants you to expect that. Getting real practical, like what does that mean? Like what if we just prayed for sick people every single time we saw a sick person or I mean I'm not saying be weird and like go and like you know go just I mean this isn't weird actually that's super cool but anyways I'm not saying we have to stretch ourselves too far but like what if every single person just to make it easy that told you they were sick you were just like yeah let's just pray about that made it real natural and real real easy I mean what would happen if we did that like I think we would see a lot more people get healed right I think, I think the church doesn't see a lot of miracles because we just don't open the door and allow God to do miracles. Amen? You know, I, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but, like, we are expecting God to do incredible things. Like, you know, you hear stories of missionaries that, like, go into hospitals and clear them out and stuff. And, like, I've heard those stories, too. And, and then I was like, but I haven't really seen that, so what do I need to do about that? We're like, we need to go to hospitals and pray for people. So right before we left, we went into a hospital in a pediatric ward, and we began to pray. And this baby who had a swollen belly, they didn't know what was going on with the baby. They had no cause for the swollen belly. While, we pray, while one of our teams was praying, the belly immediately went down and was completely healed. Another baby with, same day, another baby swollen feet. They didn't know what caused the swollen feet, and it was really painful, and it was, it was hindering the baby's ability to develop. Uh, the team prayed for him and uh, walked around for about another hour, and they came back. The mom had the baby in her arms, was running to find us, and said, the baby has been healed. Look at her feet. They're completely better. Another baby. This is the same day. Same day. Another baby. 
that had been shaking with tremors from, from seizures, hadn't stopped shaking in like weeks. Team prayed for him. Baby immediately stopped shaking, went to sleep. The team continued to walk around for a couple of hours. They came back and the mom was saying, she was bawling. She said, she hasn't slept like this in days and days and days and she is resting now. Praise the Lord. It's possible. We're not super apostles. I like, you know, I had to pray lots of times before I saw anybody get healed. But, but I continued to open the door and our teams continue to open the door and God will move. Amen. We have to expect him to move. And we have to develop that inside of ourselves. You know, we can't just expect to go out and hit a home run every time if we don't do the work on our part beforehand, right? To develop and cultivate intimacy and faith and in our relationship with God. Does anybody here like soccer? I like soccer, right? So does anybody here know uh, the name of the best soccer player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo? I just said it for you. He is a great soccer player. Does, anybody, does everybody here know who Cristiano Ronaldo is? No. Man, like half the room. So the example works. We, we live in Africa, so nobody knows baseball or basketball players. So I don't know baseball and basketball players anymore. So Cristiano Ronaldo is a Portuguese soccer player, one of the best in the world. And, like, when he plays soccer, he can run crazy fast, even though he's, still, he's like, he's 34. Uh, and he can jump higher than everybody. And, like, he can do things with the ball that other people just can't do. It's incredible. Why can he do that? It's because he spent his entire life orienting, orienting his life around soccer, practicing every day, uh, sacrificing other things so that he could do that. But can you and I expect to get on a soccer field and to immediately be able to do what Cristiano Ronaldo does without training? Absolutely not. But how many Christians, right? How many Christians expect to have incredible fruitfulness and experiences with God without doing that pre-work, that practice? It's a simple idea to understand, but, you know, it's just so hard to practice. We have to do our part. We need to live our lives simply believing that God's word is true and his presence is with us. So sometimes on campus, uh, what we do is we, we go out and we just ask God, you know, to, to speak to us and lead us to specific people. And then we go and pray for people and just open the door for him to do whatever he wants. And uh, one of our, our groups of our leaders uh, just before, just in, in June, was out doing this. And uh, they ended up in a dorm room with this Muslim guy named Enriquez. And Enriquez is from the north of Mozambique, where a lot of the more enriched people are from. Uh, and he was a Muslim and didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. He was interested in talking about the guys and what they were doing and whatever, but he didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. And so our, our team said, okay, that's fine. Um, you don't want to hear about Jesus. We don't have to talk about him. But can we pray for you? Like, can we just see what, what God wants to do in your life? And, and Enriquez was like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you pray for me. Actually, I have this lump in my throat that has been there for a couple of months, and um, it hasn't gone away. I've gone to the doctor, and they don't know what's going, going on with it, and it actually hurts, and it's scaring me. And so he was like, would you pray for that? And so they said, yeah, we'll pray for that. And so they laid their hands on Enriquez, prayed a real simple prayer that God would, uh, would heal him and then fill him with his power and his love and let him experience the reality of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, while they were praying for him, Enriquez's eyes shut open, and his, his mouth kind of uh, hung cock, uh, half limp. It was like this. And then he began to shake a little bit. And he was silent like that for a good minute. So we have some Kafa people here. Imagine if you went into somebody's dorm and you were like, hey, come to Kafa. This is Jesus. And they're like, I don't want to hear about Jesus. And you're like, can I pray for you? And they're like, yeah, whatever. And you prayed for him. And then the person was just like, oh, for like a whole minute. Like, that's super weird, right? And so the, the guys didn't know what to do. <laughs> they're like, is that having a seizure or whatever? But anyways, after a good minute, he shot, he came to 
And he goes, whoa, whoa, did you guys see that? Did y'all see my body shaking? And they were like, yeah, that was, that was what happened. And he said, that lump that was in my throat when you prayed for me, it immediately began to descend through my body and it came into my chest. I felt it go into my stomach and then completely went out of my body. And then after that, this electricity started surging through my body. It was this power. It was this presence. It was this, this love. I felt it right here. What is that? What is that? They say, Enrique, that's Jesus we've been talking about. He healed you, and he's touching you, and he's here with you. And Enrique said, oh, my gosh, I want to follow this Jesus. And he gave his life to the Lord that day. Isn't that awesome? These, are, these guys aren't super apostles. We're not. They just gave God the opportunity to do something, and he did something incredible. And Rikish and his whole family, their lives are completely transformed forever. So we have to commit to intimacy, commit to expectancy, and then finally, we have to commit to discipleship. Now, I know that, you know, you're like, intimacy, expectancy, then discipleship? What's that about? This is really important because God's presence is intimately tied to his mission. If we want more of Jesus' presence, we need to get involved with what's close to his heart. Amen? We need to get involved with his work. But what is that work primarily? Like, what was Jesus' command to us before he ascended into heaven? He said in Matt 28, we got to go and make disciples of all nations. If we'll do that, he will show up in big ways, and we'll get to see more and more and more of his glory. You know, there's a big reason why the world is still lost. I really believe that. The church throughout its history, has lost this vision of discipleship, this vision of investment and decentralization, of equipping, and then of sending. That's what Jesus did, right? He invested in 12 guys and then changed the world. If we will follow Jesus, not in just what he said, but follow him in what he did, the world will be saved. We must disciple. So that's our main focus in Mozambique. We got there with the idea that, like, if we could reach the future leaders of this country, then we could see incredible change in every sphere of society, right? Like politics, law, medicine, everything. And we could send out people to transform not only these different layers of society, but all throughout the country as well. And so uh, we have one picture just to show you kind of what of our discipleship groups look like. They're a little bit different than in here in the States because sometimes our universities don't let us meet on campuses, so they have to meet kind of in gardens and stuff. So it's pretty cool. So we got there and we started our first meeting in the living room about five and a half years ago with a group of four guys. And that's what we did. We invested in those four guys and saw them invest in others and saw them multiply and saw it growing, 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 growing. God is so faithful because today the movement is on over 35 different universities in four different cities. We're on every single university in the southern part of Mozambique. God is good. And so now we're like, God, if you can do that, like what's possible? We want to see you move on every single campus Every single place that's training up the future of Africa in the entire continent. So that's where we're going next. We're raising up teams to go and plant campus ministry in every single major African university. So God is good, and we're believing him for that. And we know that you guys are with us, and that you guys are supporting the movement, and we know that you guys are praying with us, and it's making an incredible difference. Not just in the cities, but also in the bush, in the rural areas. So going back to that, that village I was at, it's called Madala, Madala. I have a picture just to show. This are, these are the people that were waiting to get the food. Uh, uh, they, were, they had to stay in lines and stuff, and then they would go through and, and get the food that we were able to deliver. But while everybody was waiting, like the, the chief was like, do you want to say something? I was like, wow, 
What do I say to these people? I have never experienced what they had experienced. You know, I haven't even seen that on movies. Like, this is awful. What a horrific thing to go through. So I was like, Jesus, what do you want me to say? And he gave me a word. And this is what I said. I said, God's saying to you guys right now that when you thought you were alone in those trees for those three days, you were not alone. Jesus was with you. He was there. He was strengthening your arms. His presence was with you, giving you hope for the next day. And you're here today because of him. Not only that, but he sent a skinny white guy from the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Well, I guess, whatever. They're never going to know where I'm from in Arkansas, right? They can't pronounce a little rock. He sent him on a helicopter with food to give you hope for a new day and to tell you that you're not alone. And after I did that, I kind of sat down, and the chief, he bolted up, and he said, did you hear this guy? Did you hear this guy? This is awesome. When we thought we were alone in those trees, he's telling us that there was a God who was with us that was not leaving us alone. He was there. He was filling us, and we felt it, didn't we? We felt it. He said, who are you? He looked at me, and I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. He said, a pastor like of a church? And I said, yeah. And he said, we've never had a church in any of my villages. I'm the, I'm the chief of three villages. He said, you have to come back and plant a church in every single one of my villages. Isn't that cool? <laughs> then he said, you know what? Keep talking to these people. Keep telling them this message. So I, I presented the gospel, and that day, almost 300 people gave their lives to the Lord. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Praise God. There's so much glory available to us now. There's so much available. Let's close our eyes and just open our hands because I want to ask you a question. This is a question for all of us. God's glory can transform the darkest situations into victory. It's so true. I've seen it with my own eyes time and time again. Who wants more of that glory? Who wants more? Who will do what it takes to get more of that glory in our lives? Who is willing to commit themselves to greater intimacy, greater expectation and reproduction through discipleship in your life? Because if we will do that, man, nothing is possible. So I want to ask you as we begin to reflect on our lives and just if God has just welled up a hunger inside of you, a desire for more, I just want to ask you to just stand up and begin to ask him for more. Just keep your hands open and just say, God, if you want more, If you want more, say, God, I want more in my life. Just ask him for more in your own words. It doesn't need to be canned. It doesn't need to be fed to you because this is between you and him. Who wants more? There is so much more available. That's the word today. There's so much more available. Let's ask him for more. Let's ask him for more. Father God, we worship you. We worship you that that you have given us an ancient promise that you have been faithful to deliver on. Through hundreds and thousands of years, Father, you've been working to fill your church with more glory, more chavad than the first temple. And we want that in our lives, God. This world needs it. Our families, our schools, our workplaces need to experience more of your glorified presence. So we ask you, Lord, to come. We ask you, Lord, to come and to fill us up. God, we recognize, we recognize that we have to do our part to prepare a place and a space for you to come and live. And we want to do that, God. So right now we ask you, Lord, to bring to our minds those things that we need to change, those areas that we need to, that we need to cut out of our lives, 
those habits that we need to kill so that we can do what it takes to experience more of you. God, I pray that you would just speak, speak to us specific things right now, right now. Drop into our spirits. It's burning in your heart. Just confess it out to the Lord and repent and go live differently. That's what it takes. Father God, I pray that you would fill us with your God-sized dreams. I pray that the things that we've believed are possible for our lives, that you would just multiply them, God. More and more and more. Because we always know that you have more for us. You have greater plans. Because you are the God of the impossible. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Fill us up with your expectancy. Fill us up with your expectancy. Thank you, Jesus. As you're still standing there right now, would you just close your eyes, everybody? Just, just. Satan, the enemy, will, will usually only, only come at you with the weaknesses that you've shown him. And that spiritual warfare that Matt talked about, the blood is stronger than that. The devil can be defeated out of your home, your family, your mind, your body, and your life by simply submitting to God and resisting the devil according to the Word of God. Matt told you today it's not by might nor by power, but by his Spirit. Those people were saved, delivered by the Spirit of God, not by a certain kind of presentation, not by a light show. He didn't talk to you about a trend of music. He just talked to you about giving Jesus. I'm going to ask Matt Carpenter to come and pray over you right now. Matt is, is Matt Marlin's mentor. Matt, I'm going to ask you to pray that every chain would be broken off of every family right now. I believe it's going to be spiritual victory. Anything else you want to say, Matt? It's going to be spiritual victory over every one of you. The enemy that would try to so easily beset you. Power of Jesus is going to break that right now. If you need that something to be broken off of your life, come on, just raise. Nobody's looking. I'm not asking you to come forward, but just raise your hands up right now. As Matt exhorts and prays, come on, just raise your hands up right now and just keep them up in receptivity. Our Father says that I'm calling you out of the bondage that is of your fathers and your grandfathers. I'm releasing you from the generational curses that have been passed down to you, the false identities that you've lived in, the things that you felt encumbered by. I'm releasing you from those into a new inheritance. In Jesus' name, God, we receive freedom from generational curses break every bondage lord in jesus name break every false identity every every wrong concept of you god that entraps us lord in jesus name i declare freedom and i declare inheritance that's the inheritance of sonship god that you made us 
heirs with you and co-heirs with Christ, God. And in that, Lord, we share in an amazing inheritance that is also passed on from generation to generation. And even as I stand here with, with one, uh, someone who I would call a spiritual son, God, I share in the inheritance that's been passed on, God. And I rejoice in the dream that I see come true from you in his life and Andrea's life, Lord. And God, I pray that you would give us insight, expectancy of what you could do through our lives if we would just invest ourselves into somebody other than ourselves, God. If we would lay down our lives and instead of seeking after comfort, that we would seek after intimacy with you, God. God, set our hearts and our minds on you, Lord, and in that break free every bondage in our life, the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in us and through us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, everybody, just tell the Lord thank you. Come on, just tell him thank you. It's done. It's done. It's done. I'm going to ask you to do a couple things with me. You just stay right where you're at for a moment. First thing we're going to do is, 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 is I want to give, I want to invest. I want to communicate my faith by, by giving to this mission couple. Now, I want you to know something. First of all, he didn't come here today asking for money. You, you support, our church supports them every month, but it's not like they're getting wealthy off of that. Okay. But they're one of the 41 missionaries that we, we support abroad out of the U.S. Then we got missionaries in the U.S., careful leadership, all kinds of people like that. I've never been to Mozambique. I've, I've been close. I've been to Tanzania. I've been to Pemba. I've been to Madagascar. I've, 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 been, I've been to right there, Zanzibar. I've been close. So I know, feel, I can taste, I can smell as he was showing those pictures. But... I know you're going to give to, 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 the, um, to the ministry, but to me, my heart is always to, to Matt and Andrea and their family. It's because I know what it is to be in the ministry, and I know what's on my mind. I've always got things on my heart. Lord always just settles me down, Matt. It'll be okay. I'll take care of the desires of your heart. I'll take care of your family, take care of your boys, and... and uh, you know, I, so I, 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 just, I just want us to give today, everybody, if you can. I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Everybody just do something. And then, and that's, that's going, and then what he did is everybody sacrifice. You say, well, I, I'd usually give 100 bucks and this, and this something like this. Well, well today give 500 So, well, Pastor, I can't give 520 is a stretch for me, but, but for some of you, you could do 1000 It wouldn't be a problem whatsoever. So, so. Everybody just do something. Now, if you want to give online, just do it right now. Everybody just take a moment because I'm going to ask you to give, and then I'm going to ask us to pray for a few minutes before we leave. So, so don't, this isn't it, all right? So you need to stay with this because we need to respond to this. This has been humongo. And, and so just take out your phone. Go to our website. Can, can, Michael, can you put that up there? Just put the website up there. Let them go to that giving, get, go to that giving slide. I want you to get on your phone right now because a lot of you, this, most of you, that's how you give. So you just go to thechurchalive.org slash give, and you go there right now. Don't wait till later. 
college students, that's how you do it. You got a little money, not ask your buddy. Can you ask for their phone and give for them? But, but everybody just do something in the whole house, okay? And, and let, let, let's support this family. Uh, is they, the, the needs of all the ministry will be met. But let's, let's support them right now. Um, everybody just stretch your hands toward them. You don't have to close your eyes. You can pray with your eyes open. I do that when I drive. Come on, just just, to, just stretch your hands toward them. Father, I, I just speak blessings over this house, this home, divine protection over them, divine health over them. Father, I've been praying for uh, Matt and, and, and Andrea's health now for a month. I don't know what it is, but there's been something impressed by my heart. And so I just speak divine healing over them, supernatural protection, hedge around them. And, Lord, you just give them whatever they have needs, whatever they want to do for the family, whatever's on this man's heart. He's an entrepreneur in your kingdom. He's got a lot going on in that mind of his. And so I just pray you'll just settle him right now and just let him know that those needs have already been taken care of. It's going to surprise him in a supernatural way. I just thank you for the name of Jesus. So everybody just, the ushers are going to pass. If You just keep standing with me because we're going to pray. You want to go back there and give a debit card, credit card, you do that. Jump on your phone and do that. Now then, I want you to hear me on this. Is, is Matt, we hadn't talked in any way, okay? There's no way for you to know. Now, I want you to know how this happens. I'll, listen carefully. So Matt, he just simply texts me and says, hey, we're still on for Sunday. And, and I said, well, sure. He said, what do you expect of me? Because a lot of times, you know, sometimes we'll interview, uh, you know, so, but I said, we're going to worship and you let it go. Those are my instructions. Well, that's somebody I, I know and I trust, obviously. There's no way for you to know unless you've been listening, and I doubt that you really have, all right, is for you to know that maybe six weeks now we've been ministering on the temple of the Holy Ghost. There's no way for him to know that unless he listened. Did you listen? He did not listen. So that shows you, all right, now, I never know how things are going to go, so I'm always ready, just in case. Just in case you weren't really listening today, I was ready. Okay. But he, he was listening. I was going to, if it wasn't, I would have, on this, I would have said two things. I would have said, number one, God is doing a new thing in a new temple. Yes. And look at where you went. And secondly, I would have said, Expect the unexpected, and then the unexpected becomes expected. And you didn't know we'd already been doing all that. Now look at all that. God is up to major stuff in every one of your lives out there right now. Come on. Come on, just tell him right now. Say, God, I receive what you're trying to tell me today. Come on, just do it. However you got it, God, I receive what you're trying to tell me today. Hallelujah. Matt, this is a powerful word. Tell Matt thank you, everybody. Come on, if you, you really, but tell him thank you. Being sensitive, listen to the Holy Ghost. Now, I know that two things want to happen. I know, I know a lot of you want to come around here and give him and, and Andrea some love. I know there's some others of you that you say, you know what? I mean, like, that is so powerful. I, I want to come up here. I want to stay at the altar. I want to stand up here. I'm, I want to kneel up here. I want to go get my how, my kids. I want to come up here and commit to intimacy.
commit to expectancy. Commit to discipleship. Today, I've got to do something. Today, I've got to leave the old. I've got to do what he said. I'm all about waiting in the presence of God. Don't you worry. We're not going to lock up the house. You can stay here as long as you want. I'm going to tell you two stories. Two stories right with this as you decide what you're going to do. As Matt is, is this morning, I was just I walk around here praying. I'm just like, Lord, uh, just, just release your joy in me today in a new way. This has been happening to me a lot here recently. I just said it. And the moment I said it, my phone, ding. And I looked down, and it's a friend of mine who is a pastor of a church of a Nazarene in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is at 6.05 this morning, y'all. I'm just walking right, right, right through here. And, and ding, and looks down, and Tim says to me, May the joy of the Lord. Y'all hearing this? He said, he said, may the joy of the Lord be your strength today. And he said, may you feel the closeness of Jesus, of the favor that is in you. And then he says, may, may you not be affected by the perceived success or failure of today's ministries. And I'm just like, Wow. Praise the Lord. How many know God is moving? How many, how many know God's got your number? One last story. I, I tell you, one African story I got is, is when we were in Tanzania, we decided to go to the island of Pemba, and of which there was only two believers on Pemba. There's, there's more there now, but only two there when we went. We got on there, and it was a, I can't say a lot, you know, over the Internet about it, but when we got there, there was a gentleman there, they had, had no, no communications of the outside world whatsoever. And we got there. He did not know we were coming, obviously, because of no communications. Obviously, he spoke Swahili. But he said, he said, this morning at 5 a.m., he said, I prayed, Lord, please send me somebody to know that I am still here serving you. There is no way that a year before that we would plan and save money to go and to be there, and that he would pray that that morning and that we would show up on his doorstep. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I said that to say, I don't normally impress to feel that, but I said that to tell some of you right now, God is going to speak to you in a supernatural way. He brought Matt from Mozambique in here today to give you a message. One more time, receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive it now. Father, bless every house. Today, may this house, may the glory that of you that is in this house and of every temple, every tabernacle be released, hallelujah, in an unprecedented way in your mighty name today, Jesus, amen. I'm going to ask the lights to come down just a little bit because there may be some that want to come up here and pray and spend time together. You might want to go out there and, and meet. Do you guys have stuff out there, a table note? You, don't have you, you, you might want to come and meet them. So if you want to pray, be attentive to those that are coming here and pray. God bless you, Matt. God bless you, Andrea. Amen.
Love. 